0: You know, we're uh, in between, um, if you follow the football, either codes, AFL or or the NRL, we're in between two grand finals and there was a grand final yesterday. If you don't know what AFL, it's a sport that's predominantly played right around Australia, but it came out of, mostly out of Victoria, am I right, Dan? Yes, I am right, There's there's a Victorian here that can confirm that. And there was two teams that played yesterday, West Coast Eagles and Collingwood and uh, one team lost. <laughs> Profound that. You, you have a grand final. But isn't it interesting when you watch a game, and I find it fascinating how pre, before the match there is this panel of experts that speak to you about how and what they need to do to beat each other. And there's this there's this time before the game kicks off saying this is what the other team needs to do and this is what the other team that's playing them needs to do and this is what they need to do. And so they spend all this time talking about the game and then the game happens and usually what they've said normally goes out the window, normally does. And, but, in the, but in the game when it's been playing and if you're listening to the match, there's the commentary team. And this commentary team is not just calling what the sport is happening on the field. They are actually calling what's going wrong on the field. And, and they're telling us, they're telling us on, through the TV, they're saying, well, if this team did this, they would be winning. And then they turn, and as soon as there's a shift in momentum and the other team starts to win... They go back to the other team and they say they need to be doing this. And they sit and they tell you that everything that is going wrong. And it's normally commentators and normally people that are ex-players. They've been there. They've actually been there. They've been on the field. And it's an interesting thing. that All you hear is you seem to hear about the negative stuff the other team is doing. And it's like this perpetual thing. And it's, I think, man... You're not on the field at the moment. You don't know what's going on. We're just looking at a little glimpse in a person's life that in one day of game match, we don't know what's happening in their lives that's affecting their game, that's putting them off their game. And so I'm, I've come to the point where I want to watch a sport on mute because I, I, all I seem to hear is the negative of one team. And all I seem to hear is how... If you just listen to what the commentators said, if they did that, the team that were losing would all of a sudden win. And there's this constant thing of advice that's given. And I find it interesting. So I, I tend now to mute it if I'm going to watch a, a match because it's the, bliss, the silence is blissfulness. Because I can actually watch it without the opinion of the commentators say, telling us, what should be happening and what's not happening? You have a coach up in the in the box that's actually directing the play, has a game plan, and is as directing the play on the field. This coach actually knows what's going on during the year, during the week in people's lives. And a player's not playing well. We see just a player not playing well, not performing well, but behind that scene is maybe something that's happening in their life maybe there's something that we don't know about this morning i want to speak out of matthew chapter 7. i want to speak about the way that jesus asks us to look at others from the sidelines i want to bring our attention back to not the culture of the the day but what Jesus says about it. Because when I listen to what's on the TV, I take it in. When I listen to the negativity on the TV, when I listen to the criticism that's being shown to the teams, I take that on board. And it starts to become a part of my life. But Jesus steps in 2,000 years ago and he starts to create a, a new way. And he says there's a new pattern to the way that we walk our lives in. And we pick up in Matthew chapter 7, and verse 1, it says, Do not judge others, or you will be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you'll be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend... Let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Jesus goes and says these powerful words, hypocrite. First get rid, of, get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eyes. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word this morning... We pray that God, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, God, will will be present, Lord. I pray that you'll speak to me, you'll speak to us as we just open the word and we see see what you have to say about the culture that we live in. See what you have to say about our lives. And Lord, I thank you that, God, that you're changing us. And I thank you this morning as I speak, God, that you'll change me and you'll change those that are listening. And Lord, we just ask for open hearts and open ears. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. It's pretty confronting what Jesus said, isn't it? Do not judge, or you'll be judged. It's not just another rule that he's bringing in. You see, he he just doesn't want to bring another set of rules that we are to follow. He has a plan and he has a purpose for this. You see, when he said, don't judge... He wants us to allow us to look at others the way that he sees them he wants us to allow us to see through his eyes at the beginning at the end of chapter 6 in Matthew Jesus is saying seek first the kingdom of God he goes through a whole list of things that point to him he says don't worry about your finances don't worry about everything that you need for I'll provide but he switches in chapter 7 and he starts to talk about relationship on the horizontal. So he says, seek me first in chapter 6. Seek art after me. And then he starts to look at the horizontal. And he said, if you want to live in freedom, if you want to live in success, if you want to live at a, a place where you're at peace, then I want to teach you some things. Jesus just doesn't leave us saying, I don't know what to do. He gives us practical keys to the kingdom. And this is a key that the kingdom of God unlocks areas in our lives. You see, when we judge a person, this is what happens. I criticise. Can I pick on Dan this morning? So I tell Dan... There's one that stood up to him, stood up for him. When I tell him he's no good or he does something wrong, what does that make him feel? Does it make you feel good? No, it doesn't. What does it do to your identity? It tells you that you're no good. It starts to destroy bit by bit. Each word will start to destroy you you get, oh, you're no good at that. You get criticised. And then it comes into your mind and you think, well, maybe I am no good at that. Maybe I am not a very nice person. Maybe this is the way that God made me. Maybe this is, this is who I am, so I'm, I'm not really a child of God. I've, I stuff up all the time. I do so many things wrong. And maybe that's the thinking that starts to go into our minds. See, the initial feeling of the person judging is there's a feeling of good. See, it is, let's be honest, it does feel good to judge somebody initially. When you're the judger, it does. It does. It feels good, the initial thing, but we've just sown a seed of judgment. See, as it's beginning to destroy the identity of a person, see, Dan is made in the image of God, And as I start to say, you're no good at that, Dan, you actually know you're hopeless. I'm just affecting the way that he sees himself, the way that this is who I am. starts to pull down who he is. And Dan can put a nice smile on his face and say, it's it's all good. But he can then go away and, and in the corner when no one's watching go, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe those words that said about me is true. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel when I get judged. See, I know that I judge as well. But I also know that when I receive judgment, that when I see criticism, it messes with me. It says, you know what, you're no good, Jono. And it starts to mess with your own mind and says, maybe this is what God says about me. Maybe... Maybe I'm no good. Maybe the Bible is not true. Maybe. See, the principle in the Bible says there's a sowing and reaping principle. When you sow judgment, you reap it. But you see, as I judge, the same feelings that, that a person's experiencing is what I'm going to experience. And Jesus says, I don't want that for you. He says, oh, I actually have a better life for you. He said, I have good news for you. I know it comes naturally. Because the first thing that I I think about when I see someone doing something wrong, or I see a problem in somebody's life, I, I judge. That's my first reaction. That's our first reaction. Come on, be honest. Don't we do that? We do that. It's our first reaction. And God says, no, I want to show you a better way. I want to show you a place of freedom that you can walk in, that you can step into, that you can say, actually, I don't have to be like that. I don't have to be the person that's going to say, I'm going to criticise, I'm going to judge. I don't have to be that person. Because God sees me a different way. And God has a different plan and purpose for my life. In James chapter 2, Verses 12 and 13, it says this, So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. But I love, these last, I love this last sentence. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over. It's something that is greater than. Than judgment. It's something that is much greater than judgment. See, mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So the minute I judge, I'm harming someone. The minute I speak down to somebody and I criticize them, that's the minute that I have, I can either cause harm or I can give mercy. And see, Jesus is saying, he said, if you do that, that's what you'll reap. And he's saying, I want you to live a different life. I want you to live a life that's full of freedom. Because God desires to reflect who he is. Is God a judging God. He is actually, but his judgments are perfect. And he uses mercy and grace. You see, I come to God and he says, I will I will be judged. But do you know how he judges us? He said, I, I sent my son Jesus to the world. And he actually died in my place. See, to find what God says about judgment and mercy, I need to find out my condition of what I was saved from. What do, I, what do I take the way that I treat others from? It's how I've been treated. You may not know this, but every one of us were born in sin. When Adam sinned, he destroyed it for all of us. None of us, none of us have been born outside of sin. And I think this is maybe the great equaliser that goes across anyone, that it doesn't matter what background you come from, that you're all level with the same thing. I was born in sin. There's nothing good about me. Maybe that's condemning to you, but that's okay with me because the good news is coming. See, I grew up in the church and I spent my years in the church and going to church and you get this false perception that you're, you can be better than what's outside. And then in my early 20s, I was about 21, I walked away from God. And I walked away from Him and I hit the world. I didn't want anything to do with God. I didn't want anything to do with church. I didn't want anything to do with Christians. Well, Christians, I had some Christian friends. I used to have a connect group that used to run in the my flatmate's house, and I used to be quite nasty, because on the odd occasion I'd come along and I'd be very sarcastic, I'd be critical, because I'd grown up in the church, and uh, I'd throw stones, <laughs> I'd have, have a bit of fun, it wasn't fun for them. But it was at, at a point that I left and I, and I experienced the world, and then I came to an end of myself because when you go out and you leave God and you say, I don't want him anymore, after, you know, the initial period is, is okay, but as the disaster sets in upon disaster and you can have your world all looking okay on the outside, but inside you're dying, inside the mind is just saying, you know what, I can't get anywhere. Money doesn't buy happiness. Relationships don't buy happiness. And things start to fall apart in your life. And then finally God calls you back and he says, come on back, son. And it's in that point that I rediscovered that, yeah, I was a sinner. That I grew up in a church and I, that was my past. And I used to look at others and judge them. And then when I came back, it was like, I'm the worst of the worst. This is how God sees me. I'm a sinner. But God says, I, I'm going to save you in that, way, in that state. That same place of saying, I'm a sinner, in Romans 3.10, it says, it is written, there is no one righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside and together have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. That, that describes my life as a sinner. I'd left God. I'd left him, I'd run away from him. And that's the premise that I come back to God. And that's the premise, he called me back and he says, I'm going to save you in that place. And we're talking about mercy. See, mercy means God has the right to punish me because of my sin. But he also has the right to forgive me for my sin. And in one act, I say, Father... I cried out, not in a church, I was in my own living room at home. And I said, God, help me. God, save me. And instantaneously, I said, God, forgive me. And I was saved. And transformation started. And I started to think a new way because I, I, I lived the world and I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that that's my past and God's going to take me and he's going to transform me. And that's the mercy that God showed to me. He says... You're actually just the same as everyone else. There's no difference between us. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you've grown up. There is absolutely no difference. And I love that about God. He says there's no difference. There is absolutely no difference to us. But my saving grace, my mercy that I'm going to give to you. You see, God is desiring us to show his mercy see mercy triumphs over judgment what did god do to me oh he set me free i came to jesus as my lord and savior what did he do he wiped everything of the past and every time i come to him he says i don't remember that because i've already forgiven you for your past i've actually already wiped it out i've wiped the slate clean and he says, I want to have mercy, and I want to continue having mercy on you each day. I, I love this. Because when I judge, God says, is that how I treated you? Well, but that's unfair. God, you don't understand what they did to me. It was unfair. And you have an argument. Am I the only one that has an argument? Does everyone else have an argument with God? We're all all the same, aren't we? And you have this argument with God and you say it's unfair. I have a right to judge them. And he just says, no, you don't. If you want to do that, you'll experience the same feelings. See, I won't, I'll let you do it. But there is a consequence to it you're going to feel the same way as, as they feel. You're going to experience the same feelings that you experience when someone judges you. Yeah, but God, it's not fair. Hello? God, it's not fair. Can we relate to this? Can we just see how the arguments that we have with God and we say, it's just not fair. You just don't understand. You just know, see, it's... if, if I have a better thought process than you, God. You know, in my world, this is how it should have happened. And I'm telling God, this is the way it should be. And God says, no. And so he, he gives me a bit of latitude and he says, now go and do it. He doesn't say go and do it, but he just lets go. And you judge a person, you tear a person down, and all of a sudden you're going, why am I so down? Why am I feeling so down in the dumps? And you, you find yourself going, oh, Woe is me. Oh, I'm in just in the worst place. Oh, I'm just, oh, I'm just so down and I've... Come on. This is what it's like. Maybe no one sees this. No one talks about this. But this is the, the reality of when no one's looking around at you. Ah, oh, look what I've done. Look, what's wrong with my life? Why am I feeling so down? And this is the reality of life. It is. And what is God trying to show Yeah, you can take that choice, but you're still going to feel the same way. And when you come back to God, this is what I love about the grace of God and the mercy of God, is when you come back to God and you say, Lord, I'm sorry for the words that I've judged that person. Do you know what he does? He forgives you. And he says, I'm not going to remember those words anymore. And he says he wipes the slate clean and the results on your life is this. The oppression lifts, the heaviness lifts out of your life, and you'll go, why did I even do that? Mm. Why? Because just like you and just like me, we all have this nature that God says, I want you to follow me, not follow your own nature. Because it says in Matthew 7, it says, Jesus continues on this chapter, Verse 12, it says, do to others what you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Jesus fulfilling. Jesus fulfilling the law. It's who he wants us to be. I have a real problem with this. Because God, most of us do. But God gives us some keys to move forward on this. See, verse 7 and 8 of the same chapter says, Keep on asking and you will receive. What are you asking for? It's just talking about the couple of verses before when it's talking about judgment. It's talking about, it's actually relating back to the first couple of verses of this chapter and it's saying, Keep on asking. What am I asking for? That God changes me. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Do you know what God is giving a key there for our, the way that we judge? He's saying, just keep on asking me. asking, Ask me for my, for my help in changing. Asking, just keep on knocking. Just keep on saying, God, I want to change. God, this is not who I've become. God, I want to become more like you. And he's saying, just keep on going. Just keep on going. Just keep on going. Just keep on seeking me. Because as I keep on seeking God, God says, I will give you the grace to overcome it. Because Jesus said, if you have faith as small as A mustard seed, you will move, you'll say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. When Jesus is speaking about a mountain, he's saying something in your life that you can't overcome it. And this is why he says, to speaking about judgment, say to me, speak to me, ask me, how say, God, I need your help in this. Because he says, keep on asking, keep on asking. Because God already knows that we'll we'll fail. And he says, I just want you to keep on pressing in. I just want you to keep on going and seeking my face. You know, every. it's normally once, at least once a fortnight, and when the weather's good, Kiri and I will go down to Redhead Beach. We enjoy walking on an afternoon, and we just enjoy walking along the beach and, and then coming to a place and sitting down. See, I find the place at the beach a place of rest. I find it relates to life really well. Because there are some days I come and I look across the ocean and it's flat, it's glassy, and there are some times in life that nothing's going wrong in our lives. And there are other times that I come down, the waves are crashing in, and I look across and I just say, Oh, that feels like my life at the moment. It's just like a mess. There's white water that's foaming at the edge of the beach, and I look across. And I see the different stages of life. But as I'm sitting on the beach, and we're talking on the beach, I often will put my hands through the sand, because it's a reminder for me. I've got a bowl up here, and it's got some sand in it. And In Psalm 139, it says, how precious are your thoughts to me. They're more than the grains of the sea. The thoughts that you have towards me. And when I'm feeling down and and down in the dumps, I start to pick up this handful of sand and I go, God, your thoughts towards me, they're greater than all the grains of sand in the world. On my hand here, I can't count how many grains of sand I've got. I'd probably say there's probably a thousand. It's just an open hand. And I look at that and God says, that's how I see you. And then I start the conversation again with a person that I'm having a problem with. In my mind, I'm talking here. And then God says, see those grains? That's how I see about them as well. You see, when you judge them, you judge me. And these grains of sand, the, gra- gra- grains, the grains of sand, speak to me about God's care for me. I look at them and I go, wow, this is what you think about me. And this is what you think about the person that I'm having a problem with. That's what you think about them. Your precious thoughts are countless. I don't know about you, but that sort of brings me back to perspective to say, God says, have mercy. Replace what you're going to say. Replace your mindset with my thoughts towards them. And it begins to alter the mind. And it begins to alter the way that we see others. And it says, if that's the way that God sees me, and if that's the way that God sees them, how precious is that? How precious are the thoughts? In my own humanity, in my own judging way, I can basically take this whenever I judge and throw the sands and grain and say, God, I don't believe that. But God says, but I'm still faithful. I'm still caring. I still... I still care about them. I still care about you. And it's a different perspective that we have to, to viewing others. You see, God's greatest commandment to us is that we love one another. You know, our greatest witness, our greatest witness to the world is actually not our gift. It's not. It's not what we say. The greatest witness to the world is actually in John 13. Jesus' commandment to us, it says, verse 34, So I now give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Do you know that it's our character? It's the words that we speak actually say more than what we Sorry, it's the, the, the way we treat others. It says more than what our gift says. It says more about them than the miracles that can be performed. It says more about who God is. Because God gave me a gift to use. He's given you a gift to use. But more importantly, he says, this is what I want front and center. It's your love for one another. Because I died for you. I set you free. You didn't deserve it, but I did it for you. And I did it for you in relationship because I was so desperate so that you could walk a life of freedom. So that you could walk with me day by day, not walking according to what you think should be done, but walking according to what I desire to see in your life. Colossians 3 Paul speaking, to the, speaking in this scripture, he said, "Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with one another, bear with each other, and forgive one another. Just if you, just if you have, if any of you has a grievance against somebody." Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. God had mercy on me. And the words I speak, the words that I speak to somebody, Jesus says, I forgave you of your sins, all of your sins. And that's the way that I want to speak. And that's the way that I want you to convey my heart. If we can have the band back, that'd be great. Verse 14 says, and after all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You see, the words that we speak, God wants them to speak through us, and he wants us to represent his heart. He wants us to represent who he is. He wants us to represent how he called us in our connect group we were going through a book called Pathway and it starts off God as God's approach to humanity in the Garden of Eden and I love this book because it points right back to the cross it's foundational for us and the first thing that God does when Adam and Eve sinned, he comes down to the Garden of Eden and he says these words, where are you? He knows, the funny thing is, he knew where they were. The funny thing is, he knew exactly where they were. But his call to us is, where are you? Not out of judgment, he's calling, not out of saying, look what you've done. His first call to us is, where are you? I don't know about you, but that's a pretty loving God, isn't it? That's a God that says, I know what you've done. I know exactly what you've done. But I'm going to call you out. And I want you to come to me. I want you to come and surrender into my, my kingdom. I want you to come to my feet. I want you to just admit, yep, I stuffed up. It's okay. And God says, I want you to come. Come. Hebrews 4 says, come boldly to the throne of grace. See, when you speak out and you must do something wrong, God says, just come back to me. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Oh, keep asking. I'm going to keep seeking God, that he changes my words that have come out of my mouth. I'm going to keep coming back to the throne room of grace. He says, God, God's going to give me mercy. He's going to wash over the words that I've just said, and he's going to set me free. He's going to start to wipe out the the anxiety that's over my life, and he's going to say, I'm going to set you free. Just keep coming back to my throne of grace. This is Jesus' call to his church. It's Jesus' call to us this morning is keep coming back. Come back. When you've said the wrong thing, come back. Come back to him because he's calling. He's calling. He's calling you. He's saying, it's okay. You failed. That's okay. I've already seen that you failed. Come back to me because I'm going to wash you clean. I've got mercy for you. You did the wrong thing. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to let, let the sins be gone. This is God's heart. This is his heart for me and it's his heart for you. His desire is so much I want to walk with you. I want you to live in freedom and I want you to succeed in this life no matter what is going on around you. And when you, and when you stuff up, and you say, God, I've stuffed up again. God's response is going to be, come home. where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I've got mercy for you. I've got mercy for you. Why? Because that's who I am. I'm a child of God. It's what God says I am. I'd like to invite you to close your eyes this morning. And as I've been speaking, You've been thinking, "I don't know this Jesus that I've been speaking about. I don't have a relationship with God. I'm going to tell you this morning that He loves you, that He's seen you at your worst, and he wants to forgive you for your sins. He wants to wipe the slate clean. He just wants you to allow you to, to rest and, and to live in freedom. That's His desire for you. He wants to set you free. And if that's you this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to invite you to raise your hands in the, this morning. We're going to do a simple prayer and ask Jesus to come into our lives. But if that's you, I'd invite you right across this auditorium to raise your hand and slip it back down again. If that's you, I'd like to invite, give that invitation to you. Or if you've been far away from God, you say, you know, I've come in this morning and I've actually been far away from God. And my relationship with God has become distant. If that's you, I'd like you just to raise your hand. As you raise your hand, I'll acknowledge it and you can put it back down. Thank you. See that hand. Anyone else? See that hand. God's calling. God's calling. God's calling home. We're going to say a simple prayer of inviting Jesus back into our life and asking him to forgive us for our sins. Let's all say this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you washed my sins away. And I thank you that I'm a child of God. Thank you for looking after me. And setting me free and bringing me into right relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.